Happy New Year. It's 2023. Um, not when we're recording this, but it is when you're watching this. And we're joined by none other than Got Moxie and Dor, uh, our experts for the final wrap-up of Contenders Month to come in, usher in our, hopefully, new European overlords. How are the both of you doing? I'm Good. doing hot. Yeah, yeah. This is it's gonna be a lot of fun. Look, there's a lot of hopium going around, but there's also <laughs> plenty of copium to balance it out. So I, I think we got plenty to talk about. Good, Moxie, how are you? I'm doing good. You know, all of the lineups just pretty much got announced at the moment. So all of my notes and all of my plans and my You're mental relevant. mind maps of this player to this team and this player to this team, my Final Fantasy football rosters have uh, unfortunately <laughs> been entirely put for torn asunder. But you know what? <laughs> It's, it's, it's Rostomania. What, it, what's Rostomania all about in terms of capsizing your expectations? True. I mean, it's capsizing expectations, but there's also, you know, there's some some teams still left in the wings that, True. you know, we'll see. We'll see what they do. Yiska, have you stopped playing Hunt Showdown yet? No. Actually, I'm co constantly feeding my brain salad every night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently on vacation. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's also the case that... Um, you know, the, the off-season is presumably a little bit longer. There's still slots to be filled. You know, once these teams start, start scoring, maybe, you know, the, the budget usually loosens up a little bit if you see a bargaining deal somewhere. Um, there's still some open slots, I suppose, where the rosters weren't leaked or weren't locked in, let's say that. Um, so there's, there's certainly some opportunities. I will also say it's... Like, sometimes knowing a little bit more how the cake is made is, like, those GMs aren't as incompetent as you think they are and are under constrictions that are pretty severe in terms of, like, who the talent is that's picked. And Well, we it would be amazing to live in a world where everyone is just, like, picked in, in the correct order of their ability, regardless of their physical location right now. That's unfortunately not the case. And there's probably no region that suffers more from this or will suffer more from this than the European region, unfortunately. Um, it's like them in China, right? I, I could feel the pain in Yiska's voice. <laughs> yes. I, could, I, I, I felt it. Like That, that hurt me. Yeah. It's no. sad because there's so many like talented players that's just like, yeah, well, if only... Visas look, were cheap. Look, they, yeah. they yeah, for real. They are some wild rumors right there, where where it's like maybe, maybe your European players are not only pigeonholed into like having to sign for one of the NA teams. Maybe there's also a possibility that you know what whatever happens in APAC is interesting, right? Like, uh, that we we practically don't know what's going on there. There is some precedent that some of those teams have looked at Western players, at least in the past. I'm not sure if that at all will happen. There's, of course, like the rumor mill is always wild. I will say this year, the the intentional noise in the in the league uh, sphere is pretty high. I think people just also tried either to mole hunt or to, you know, put some wrong stuff into the ether and see who bites. Um, so that, that one was definitely uh, possible that it's not going to happen. But generally speaking, like it, during a recession where the marketing dollars isn't as you know readily available, True. and um, the general like a, a an issue in marketing or like gaining revenue in this league, that it it unfortunately is the case that the 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 region with you know, where you still need visas, where you still need to provide housing for these guys, 
and where those guys do not have the visibility because they're not playing against these players. I think not insubstantial amount of scouting happens when your star player plays against the guy in ranked and gets humbled. Like maybe in one or two, uh, you know, of these duels or whatever. And yeah. that unfortunately is only the case for European talent right now. When when all those European players maybe was a family go on to EU ranked and whatnot, and otherwise it's it's hard for you know all the Overwatch League knowledge to also you know seep into the ranked play into contenders. Um, yeah, the, the level of of just the average ranked top five hundred Q in EU is like generally just lower because of the lack of those players sure, yeah. really capping out the top of it so i mean i've heard that be a complaint amongst a lot of a lot of top players there because they're playing on na just to play against better competition right. a lot of the time and like for good reasons because not only does it do that but it gives you those potential scouting opportunities yep. uh that you were talking about like yeah if, if you clap proper on the right day of the week <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. maybe somebody's available to check you out and so uh, there's a lot of things standing in the way of these players, and there's, unfortunately, I think only a, a few ways around it. Another one of the big things we were talking about before we got in the call uh, was just uh, what I believe to be just an overpopulation between contenders in the Overwatch League, right? Because we brought mm. up so many people mid-season last season, like an insane number. Yes, they were coming from NA, but it doesn't matter because uh, new people came up to fill those NA slots, and now... NA contenders in Overwatch League have about 1.5 to two times as many people as there would normally be competing for those spots. And unfortunately for EU, though, they weren't the ones getting picked up last season. They still have to compete against one and a half times as many people. Mm. Yeah. The the hopium here for Europe is one thing that people... <laughs> yes, but, but what people that have been around in esports will sometimes notice is if you leave a region isolated for long enough, they develop their own ideas that just eventually will beat the established meta game or the every once in a while. Like people will remember like, I don't know, Worlds a couple of years ago where the Turkish team was able to go very far based on like a wild any meta st type stuff, right? Like super massive. Was that a Turkish so, team? I think, I think yeah. so. The, the problem with that, though, is like a lot of the time we were talking about, you know, like Saudi Arabia being one of those teams mm. in the next World Cup to watch because of the pharmacy matter. Right. But Overwatch League teams have shown time and time again they don't want one tricks. And you can yes. say, oh, yeah, EU teams are going to be able to establish their own metas and it might be able to beat what everyone else has established as their own meta. But if it's a team that is only running that composition, they're not going to get picked up. How many times have people said, oh, Yazan's the best farmer yeah. in the world, he should be in Overwatch League, and then go they goes, no, we don't want Yazan in Overwatch League because he can only play Farah and Echo, and that doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, here's the Steelman oh. argument for that, for that theory, though, is I feel like not an insubstantial amount of success that the Spitfire had last year was probably due to that. They had a pretty sure. unorthodox strategy. I don't think as... Like, playing a solid Reinhardt is not something that a lot of people people now have uh, access to. There was only so many, right? And, um, like, bringing all of that over, have, having also taken advantage of, like, some scouting inefficiencies. Like, nobody really looked at uh, Backbone like that. Yes, he was, like, maybe in the Glatz trial or whatever, but, like, the, he eventually got picked up and um, the, just the progress that they were able to make. I think there's, there's probably a pretty big market inefficiency in, in terms of the raw talent that exists in Europe. It, unfortunately, you ha would have to, 
you know, pry a little bit, give them trials, give them the ability to improve in order to, you know, actualize their full potential. But, um, like, I think for those that are willing to invest, eventually they will just strike well gold. And don't think it, you're, you're too clever, Moxie. I saw that, oh, yeah, plug in there. I, you know, we're talking unorthodox, you know, don't, you know, oh, I've, like, seen, I've seen, I've seen Kaiser and Necros. And like, these, <laughs> these guys can cook clockwork vendetta style. But before we get into some of these, these big names that I think people are clamoring to, uh, to kind of hopefully shine a light on, um, we do have to thank our patron producers, that being, and our YouTube members, uh, Avril Vista, Baby, Battle Crab, Refined Bean, Bronze Bob, Buhau, Picasso, Chris R3444, Kasha67, Lotion, Porkchop, Sammy, Rex Zane, Stuck in Bronze, and our YouTube members, Ice Angelo, William Jess, Fishman, Fire Element, AK Chris R, Brother, Stuck in Bronze, Samuel Espaza, Adam L, and Soggy Fumi. Now, there's one team on the lips of anybody who's paid attention to Contenders Europe for a hot little bit. It feels like the the O2 of Europe. Is that is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro love. Shots, I... <laughs> <laughs> bro love. Let's go, Oni God. Let's go, you kids. <laughs> but X Obliviona is just, I mean, they dropped how, like a map? Two maps? Uh, they dropped one map they, they until Grand upon their, their B-side score yeah. and run it back by one map. Like but the Grand Finals was a free O. Instead exactly. of what it was in B-Sides, where it went to, like, 4-3. It looked so. like they were going to do slightly worse. I was, mm. you know, making jokes about, oh, yeah, they're, they're falling off because they lost one more map in the group stage <laughs> than they did last time. And then they oh, went and well. dropped a one map through the entirety of the bracket this time and mm. just, like, stomped their old record. And like, oh, <laughs> I can't even make the yeah, joke I mean, anymore. <laughs> right. You couldn't really make it in the first place, though, because every single team at the start of front and back were trying to adjust into the Winston meta, and EXO, like, they had one week where they tried to run Grand Up on control. First of all, it was up against Raspberry Races, and Raspberry Races came out with an Arista composition, which threw an absolute curveball into the mix, and then they subbed KSA in and just rolled, because <laughs> his Roadhog absolutely steamed everything in its path, and then we saw XO play next, and they were running ground up, and they were the best team in the region at running that Winston comp, and it had taken them like a week to be able to learn everything, and they just flew through every single match afterwards. Jesus. I mean, this is a team that has, you know, names that I think are, you know, people should, should be familiar recognize. with. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Shockwave, Psycho, KSA, if you know you've watched Overwatch League seasons in the past, Kellex. Uh, uh, I, at this point, I think you have to just call him a gatekeeper. Um, and a couple of rookies, if you've paid attention to contenders or even, you know, the amateur scene for long enough, I think you probably have seen Cran drop around. Slay's not a name that I'm super, super familiar with, but is this a team that you guys believe maybe not even just a team are there like gems here that you'd love to see picked up like how does ex oblivion kind of fit within the the offseason shuffling of the rosters I'm honestly like let it rip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'll, I'll give you a take afterwards but i think it's a little bit different okay so there, there are two things that i think like i could see exo happening exo are by far like that overwatch league ready a lot of them have already been up into overwatch league like shockwave psycho ksa uh calyx they've all like done stints with overwatch league teams and if we were talking about like full roster pickups i could maybe see defiant because we don't know defiant's roster at the moment just taking all five of them sure. but if they get split up i can definitely see a couple of members having a lot of luck in certain teams, I actually had a mini mind map where I was thinking about, okay, where, where exactly would these players fit in best? And uh, I think London 
could actually, if they take KSA or Chase Torch uh, from Raspberry Racers, if they take one of those tanks to have just as backup, because Hardy is obviously very good individually as a tank, but the hero pool doesn't have a lot of overlap between what KSA or Chase Torch like to play. And then if you pick up KSA, you want to pick up Kellex. Because the synergy between that Roadhog and that Lucio was absolutely insane. KSA came in and just absolutely rolled everyone because Kellex was enabling him. And then there's one specific support player I have to talk about. It's an affront to me that he's never been in Overwatch League. He's the perfect age. He's like 20. Slay, like you said, Vilma, uh, like you said, you mm. didn't really know yeah, no, about him a... in the past. But when we had the break meta all the way back in like Overwatch 1, he was actually one of the breaks that a lot of players in Contenders level really didn't want to go up against because mm -hmm. he was known as the best break in the region. And we thought, okay, well, maybe he's going to have a little bit of a struggle adapting into Overwatch 2, break us out of the meta. Kiriko is coming in. He's the best Kiriko in EU, hands down. He's absolutely the best Kiriko. So not only do you want to take him because he's flexible, but he's also very strong at adapting very quickly into different hero styles. So he's he's the flex with like a brick. Like he's that mm -hmm. flex support, got the Zen, got the bat, but can also be like that mean Brigitte to 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 kind of dabble. And that's not <laughs> something that you Yes, we've seen it in the past that like, oh yeah, we'll just throw the the flex support, the brig, and they'll do it fine. But the fact that he's kind of thriving and, and making a name for himself as that best Brigitte in the region, I think that's something I think people need to kind of keep a keep an eye on. Now, Dor, it sounded like uh we were getting a one chip challenge out of you. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's no, that I'll, one bite? I'll, I'll just toss my chips in and <laughs> kind of a whole different direction. Okay. Uh, you wanted to comment on with this team. I'll start off with Slay since that's where you guys were going. Like, sure. I think the the three lines can really be drawn to like an EU CJ. I think CJ has mm. the experience up that and just being an NA that kind of makes him far more likely for for mm. a spot sure. in the Overwatch League. Uh, but Slay certainly is there. But Slay and Kellex in this support line highlight. But I think the team has done more than any other team in EU. And there's really, like, the, you, you look at the talent in EU, it's insane. The density is, is stupid. You're looking at a team with Oni God, you kids choose Levitate and, and Ripa that are just going one and nine. Mm. Like, clearly, this region has a lot of talent. So, how do you have a team that is as dominant as EXO in a region that is as stacked as EU is? And I think the answer is they're just playing Overwatch 2 better. Like, uh, uh, straight okay. up, you, you look at the things that were finding team success uh, in Overwatch 1, right? Whether that's be having the, the correct flow chart working for you, whether that's having a team that plays really tight together, uh, etc. Versus mm -hmm. Overwatch 2, having the ability to output different things, whether that's space damage or, or healing slash peel, uh, from every single role. And I think that's what the, the players on EXO are doing especially well. You notice mm -hmm. every last one of these players is capable of kind of filling each of those roles from their own role especially well okay um and the sport lines are almost always the the real exemplifiers of this right now uh you look at kellex and slay one of the big stat numbers that we were using throughout the the previous two things of contenders b-sides and run it back was literally just final blows on the the lucios and kirikos combined and consistently like by a enormous margin the teams with Lucio's and Kiriko's with greater final blows. And this isn't just being farmed off of, like, fights that they had already won. Sure. These are, like, these are first picks coming out of accurate Kiriko's or FD God just inting into your team's back line. <laughs> and it was such a humongous advantage. That extra, you know, 4K damage over the course of the map is sure. a lot of pressure to really contend with. And the same thing goes for DPS. I think Psycho has done this especially well for this team. And being able 
to be a, a great supportive player for Shockwave. Don't get me wrong, Shockwave, incredible. Mm-hmm. But Psycho has re- been an important part of that and plays almost a Molan Ran esque role uh, in DPS that I really admire. Sure. Uh, and then the tanks are, are are doing well for themselves in Overwatch 2 in the slightly more independent roles as well. KSA, like you mentioned, on the Hog and Crandop just playing well with Kellex and Slay. I think those two, those guys just synergize particularly well. Um, but that's that's a highlight for me for this team. Each of these okay. players really seems to fit into Overwatch 2 well, and that's what I think makes them exciting and head and shoulders above the rest of these teams because the talent is stacked. Me- mechanically, all these teams are their games, and that's why they're there, but it feels like EXO kind of have that, that fundamental uh, lack of hyper-focus on, on their mm-hmm. particular role, on the players that are actually playing it. It seems their skill sets are, are just more suited to the game, and I think that makes them all very, very powerful, especially when you put them with one another. Sure, and I, I don't think that's like completely like something that I think people are, are going to maybe not discount but like oh yeah what's the big difference like one less hero yada yada like we're seeing that even at the highest level i think one of the biggest like criticisms that i think you could leverage against like the 2022 shanghai dragons is that like and something they kind of came out and said i think moon had said in an interview that like we're just not adapting to overwatch too well like and i think at least for my soapbox like i thought flood was kind of taking the brunt of that but yiska you know Mm -hmm. Is is there a world where you feel okay? Like where where do you kind of sit with hearing that like Psycho of like former Vancouver Titans? Like, we saw a couple games from him. I don't know about you, but I wasn't super thrilled. But like hearing what they're saying, do you want to? You think you give him a second chance? You think you can probably bring him in? Look, I I, I have a lot of respect for people who opt to you know try to win the Gulag and make it back into Overwatch League. But, European Gulag, all right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, I, I think that I'm, I'm particularly interested, of course, in guys like FD God, who it was probably to many, maybe a little bit of a shock that after, no pun intended, you know, having that season with a shock that he didn't find employment after. Yeah, I know right? what this guy's doing down here, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel like he's smurfing? Yes. I think there are two support lines in EU contenders between Kellex, Slay, FD, God, and Canal. And then I think Zerion also is pretty good, maybe not to that level, but when we're talking about being good at Overwatch 2 mm-hmm. and having that, that pressure role where you're making space and doing damage on the support line, FD, God, Canal, Kellex, Slay are all very yeah, good. And FD, God, even after not getting repicked up, then moving mm-hmm. to Overwatch 2, now there's even more reason to pick an FD, God up. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw another name though in. Like, I think Crispy is a really good Lucio. He was doing a lot of damage. I remember mm. there was like one game specifically that he just face tanks a Sojourn mid overclock okay. and gets away with it. The problem is that Crispy is a little bit more inconsistent. Like, there's mm. a reason that we talk about all those other Lucios so often, and that's because we've seen them so often and we know that they can consistently hit those highs and hit sure. those DPS nodes. Crispy is a little bit more of an unknown, so he needs a little bit more time to be able to like settle into that role. But I definitely can see some of those Lucius that you mentioned all being picked up after you got, especially because you know if you have a Lucius, you can just go straight into that backline and one v one the soldier, and it puts so much less pressure on your tank because we were seeing things like the Winston Primal or just a Roadhog body blocking the soldier so that the rest of the squishies can live. I think there's yeah, also telling me that there's a world where there's like a European Legion gone. Um, <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah. What you say, I think there's a there's a particular roster building meta aspect to consider here, which is 
I think not too many pe uh, teams will significantly go over the minimum roster size of like six sure. or seven. I think mm -hmm. Atlanta said they were done with six. They interestingly opted into going into the double flex supports there. My, <clears throat> my point doesn't grip that well. But for everything else, the like if you only have six slots, your decision on who to double up on which role, yeah. I think very often should fall on tank, right? I, I agree. So yeah. that implicitly then means that the main support needs to be able in in yes. double flex support matters to you know jump onto the Zen or jump onto the break or jump onto the even though break. I mean, I'll dine on that hill that break is not necessarily <laughs> a main support hero, but. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, ben, basically, like what I'm interested in is, did, did you, did anyone show those chops often recently? Like, let's say I don't have the budget to have an, anyone else for um, for the main uh, or the the flex support position because, let's be honest, like it's very hard to justify just having a Lucio one trick on your team anymore, sure. right? Mm -hmm. Like it's. Much like even for Glads, I'm I'm sure Funny Astro currently has to grind everything but Lucio, in in order to justify the position. Because yes, having a great Lucio is very important for you, but it can't be the only thing uh, reason why you're brought right. So what yeah. what about like the FD gods or the Kalex? Like have they shown that flexibility into the um into the flex supports? So really? a lot of teams, actually, when we went to Circuit Royale, I'm sure, Dor, you noticed this as well, they wouldn't run the Kiriko Lucio, they would run the Bapsan. So a it's lot usually, of players yeah. actually usually had to go on to that flex, and we did see players like Zerion having a very good Zen. Zerion is known for being a Zen player prolifically and being able to hit those really high DPS numbers, as well as keep himself alive for the longest time. And I think definitely because if it's a Lucio one-trick with how prolific Lucio has been in terms of the meta at the moment, sure. I am very much expecting Lucio to get significant nerfs yeah. in the upcoming patches. So you do not want to just hitch your horse to a Lucio one-trick in an Overwatch League roster because he's probably going to be put down a couple of pegs in the future. Yeah, I would argue this is a really hard conversation to have because both A, B, and Run It Back were, despite Jodes going away, Lucio Kiriko was still yeah. just yeah, decent support composition. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's very little evidence that we have outside of Overwatch 2. And again, I do think it is a totally different environment in terms of what support players are, are particularly capable sure. here. I do trust that it's doable. And a lot, most of the flexibility has been pushed onto flex supports because I think as much as main supports learning for for double flex is important it seems to be the inverse that's happening more often uh mm -hmm. for teams again you, you highlight players like uh cj and slay who are kind of shifting over b between both roles with the brig which is you know like the lightest of the the main support <laughs> arguments at this point it just is expected to have in your in your flex support pool but the, i think the the flexes are being asked to flex more more often and i i don't think that Lucio one tricks is something that you can call any of these players at this point. I think, mm. it, especially Kellex and FD guy. Like, come on, let's be real. They've been around for a hot minute. Yeah. They they've got a wide enough hero pool. They haven't gotten the opportunity to show it in Overwatch two. Uh, but I think if you're talking about like the peak of mechanical and, and game sensibility uh, on main support, it's going to be Lucio that, that you look at as like, okay, yes. what is this player's peak mm. on that hero? Especially with how important it's been to the Overwatch two meta in general. Even with significant nerfs, it seems like it's going to be important. Uh, and then you go over to what you're talking about, which was, okay, so we want to flex our tank, which I think has become 
way more apparent yes. in the past uh, in the past month or two. Like initially, it was like, oh yeah, we can we might be able to have one person, and then just like every time a meta comes around, they can just learn whatever hero is in that meta if it's not, and like they can just hyper focus on that. But I think Pefs are, are a really good example of why you can't do that right mm. now. Because incredible team. Like I, there, there is no argument that in slot these players are all contesting for best. Uh, it, but it was largely off the back, and initially the the storyline for the season right. kind of was okay. Ben Best is just a giga flex player. Sure. Like we 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 are having Ben Best play literally every single tank in this video game, and it initially it looked great because nobody knew what they were doing, and Ben Best was just flexing to to new heroes, and it was like, oh my god, what can't this guy do? But then at the end, once everyone's kind of started to specialize, you realize that like, okay, Ben Best is clearly extremely good at a few things here, but trying to flex him onto like Sigma matchups became right. something of a difficulty, right? Circuit Royale went from what was one of their best maps to something that they ended up losing like four or five times in a row at the end in the bracket stage. So yeah, it almost definitely is uh, going to be two tank players for these teams. And I think that the current meta has only solidified that for it. Yeah, Cause that would, that would have been my follow up question. Um, something that I think, I don't, I don't know if the community's given it a name, but I think I'm just going to run with the term unicorn when it comes to like the tank player that can just hyperflex it around, you know, that smurf, that someone esque player that can just kind of do it all. Um, it sounds like maybe Ben best fit that at the beginning of the season, but is there anybody else for your guys's kind of, you know, experience. Is there anybody else that kind of also fits that bill? I see over in NA, and that's kind of it. <laughs> I was <laughs> okay, gonna okay. say Chase Torch is, is a potential for that. Honestly, Chase Torch yeah, was Chase a Torch could do it. good do it. player who was able to flex onto a whole bunch of different roles and was also able to punish. Like we talked about that first matchup of Raspberry Racers versus X Oblivioni, and it is mm. so prolific because Chase Torch comes out on the Orisa and absolutely smashes expectations because they are not expecting the Orisa, they're expecting the Winston. And they had Crand up in because they were thinking there's gonna be a Winston on the other side, we're going to be able to go for our matchup. And because Chase Torch doesn't have to get subbed out to be able to play either the Orisa, the Roadhog, or the Winston, Raspberry Racers were able to find a lot of value. So I think if anyone else other than maybe Ben Vestal or Vestola, who's also very good at flexing their hero pool, we got to see Vestola going up against Ben Best, and it just became rock, paper, scissors. Of one of them would go into one tank, lose the matchup, come back in another tank entirely, and then the other one would lose that matchup, go back to spawn, come back on another tank entirely, and we would just be sitting there going, okay, we've now seen every single tank in this entire game in one match. <laughs> Yeah, the the only exactly actual the only on? hero that we didn't get fun fact through run it back was Moira. So really? yeah, that's true. Right. That was yeah. the only hero we were missing. Everything else that's got played. Crazy. Wow. Ball got played. Ball got played. Doomfist got played. Zarya got played. Winston got played. Obviously, Joker Queen got played into the ball, which mm -hmm. was funny. <laughs> okay, that's the only reason that existed. Uh, okay, I could that, that makes a little bit of sense, but yeah. that's that's really interesting. I mean, just from like the going from like jotes into like, oh my god, the character's dead. To okay, well, there's you know, there's some. Well, it's still cases. good into the other bad character. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> if we're playing bad character meta, well, boy howdy, let me tell you, I got, I got some, some bridges to sell you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when it comes to you know, the, I think the tank role in general seems to like be this new like focal point. This it seems like in general. Um, when when we've gone through and talked to some of these contenders experts, it seems to be like there have been styles kind of like formed and fit 
to their tank players but as i'm even like going through liquipedia and looking at these like there's not a ton of just like single tank lineups for a lot of these european teams but did you guys still feel like there were styles set did you guys feel like there were certain like for peps it sounds like maybe early on they thrived on you know more main tank or traditional main tank heavy maps and then maybe kind of fell a little bit back on like the circuit royals and the dorados where like the flex tanks kind of tend to shine where there's the styles kind of apparent to you uh this this era of run it back i mean i think the styles were largely dictated by what you had access to okay like ben best obviously being just like a hyper flex in kind of every sense of it was phenomenal at the start and once once you got into the specialization having like exo play monkey into every map and you're like okay well what do we do this hog just like isn't working <laughs> sure like it's ben best like he's like only got so much hog experience yes he's a hyper flex but like mm. the amount of specialization that you get out of like crandop and ksa and having two tanks is, is just hard to kind of match and then you have teams that i, I felt super bad for who had like a hog player and then another uh who would have like a main tank player who could play hog which is like doesn't tend to align with like the reinhardt winston kind sure, of main yeah. tank player right and then they'd have an off tank player who could play like the diva the sigma and just could not play monkey for their life and then they mm. got forced into playing uh you know diva all the time and it was like some of them looked all right, and you're like, yeah, but is it just because this is a good D.Va player because the D.Va pick's good? We, we interviewed John, actually, at one point towards the, the end of the season about it, and he's like, yeah, yeah, realistically, it's like, it's just a comfort thing while you're going to the D.Va. Like, the Winston is, in most cases, objectively better, and a lot of teams got forced into an air quotes style uh, for that reason. Okay. But I, I think it's largely just due to the fact that they might not have had that key piece in a meta that was really really weird especially with the, the whole roadhog thing like main tanks that play roadhog generally don't play other traditional main tanks right mm -hmm. uh, at least maybe not to the the capability that you would want out of uh, an experienced winston player so it was, it was a semi like meta thing semi roster thing uh but i think overwatch 2 is a a good game in the fact that it did still allow those teams to play while flexing so that was nice to see but still though i think the whole style thing is more so an element than Overwatch 1, but still okay. often forces teams to fall a little short. Sure. I think this is like touching Joe's point a little bit further as well. Like a lot of the time we could track the compositions that teams would be bringing out when they subplayed specifically in. Mm, like okay. NKZ especially would come in when a team wanted to play Roadhog. KSA for EXO would come in when they wanted to play Roadhog. A lot of the time, however, it was just players prizing that Winston meta. And I believe it was young and beautiful i remember they had an absolute awful matchup where vestal was not available to play and they had to have lulzish go in and they couldn't sub him out so they were just forced to continuously play the winston until we saw like them try to change into the roadhog on eichenwald and it worked for a little bit but because he's just not that uh, roadhog experienced player it just did not work for this team which was a real shame because yeah that that matchup was was a rough one to say the least yeah even just from like some cursory viewing of you know some of the vods and even trying to catch some of the, the matches towards the end of playoffs uh live it, it seemed like very like okay on this map there's this kind of established meta and this map like hogs a little bit better there is this prevailing idea that like the winston is like ideal but it's hard to execute so there was a lot of it seemed like there was a lot of like tank rotation play going around and not mm -hmm. having that. it was like 
the rock, paper, scissors. Every single time we saw tanks come through, it was always just rock, paper, scissors. And I think that plays into Overwatch 2. Like, I actually had a really interesting conversation with Man of Class, uh, mm. another caster, a couple of weeks ago, where we were talking about the fact that Overwatch 2 doesn't punish you for having to swap role or swap hero if you lose that first fight because you get to retain that 30% ult charge. Sure. So yeah. if, say, like on control, you come into that first fight and you're running something into a counter of your own, you lose the first fight, you get to go back, you get to swap onto something that counters that, but you get to keep your ult charge. So you're at a better advantage of winning the fight the next time, and you're at a better fight for winning the next fight after that because you have an ult and your opponent doesn't. True. Definitely been a... Rhetoric is a strong word, but like <laughs> that, that like 20xx like game theory of the game has definitely been pretty prevalent. It's, I think the, the, um, the thing is, sometimes you have to see the data in order to establish a trend there, right? Like, for instance, I, I remember there were often some very counterintuitive interactions where you would think, for instance, first picks were negated in, in relevance when a mercy rests the player. Turns out, mm -hmm. was just as impactful. Like just having that on cooldown was essentially a uh, being one down in, in during you know Overwatch one and that type of stuff you would have to look at it. I, I think I also saw that uh, argument made on um, by SVB. It it certainly follows to uh, logically. You just sometimes yep. have to see like maybe there's a lot of breaking points that you're hitting in that first fight or in the consecutive fights where you're just the, that little amount short on your ultimate. And therefore, even like in a in a less opportune situation of the counter, that breakpoint then more often than not brings about uh, a situation where it's still pretty disadvantageous. And everything that brings about uh, the the you know the non snowbally nature of random picks, I suppose, is probably pretty good for the game, right? Well, that I would agree, and I think that was actually one of the cool shifts that we saw during the meta was teams trying to dodge that, especially in the mm -hmm. matchups that they just felt confident that they could win. Team Peps was, I think, for my money, the first team to really implement it, at least on broadcast. I'm sure it was being played in scrims by probably sure. a few teams prior to then. But on basically every control map, they just locked Orisa Because it was just a safe <laughs> thing. Like, it, it didn't get countered. It was like, it's going to be it's all right neutral. into everything. It's yeah. neutral. And that's the advantage of having a Ben Best, whose hero pool is so wide that you can just kind of be like, yeah, hey, we need an Orisa because it's like, all right here. And he's going to give you an all right Orisa, like at the very least, if not like a very good one. Uh, and so a lot of teams towards the end started to adapt that to to dodge the rock, paper, scissors as best they could. But whether or not that's good is yeah, up for debate, you know? Well, True. Yeah. Opening three hatch into Forge First expansion is something. <laughs> right. I'm more of a cheeser. You know, I want to, you know, get that. Uh, yeah, I quit when I see that. Um, Elbow deep. It, hey, that's my ladder points. That's all I'm saying. Anyways. But. Okay, so we're bringing Ben up best up so often. Yeah. I I try to get this off my soul, the the question that I'm about to ask, but unfortunately, okay. I'm too much of a redditor that I'm emulating the Reddit <laughs> question that inevitably will be asked about this. Okay, so I'm I'm going to give you the Reddit question. You already know it's unfair, so brace yourself, right? <laughs> no, no. So <laughs> so Amaz gets the GM head coach slash head coach position at DC. We know maybe by the time this releases, it's already public. We know from the leaks that it looks like that both Ben Best and FD God have made it onto his team. Of course, French the ma French mafia has once again like succeeded, right? Let, let, it's the Reddit speaking. It's not my opinion, but yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. if if you 
if someone came to you and said, well, this is obviously a nepotism, right? Like, why not pick up someone like, I don't know, whoever is, is around, like even... If if that roster is true, he could have also picked up someone from Contenders Korea and like why not two you why Ben Best? Oh, this is obviously nepotism. How do you defend against uh, the redditor that asks this? So I think a part of it might be visa. Like Ben Best might still have visa left over from when he was with Paris Eternal. I fucked you're not defending him. I'm trying to I see think... the logic. Okay, I'm trying to see the logic I, I agree, like, honestly, I would have rather seen a player like Chase Torch get picked up because, like, we've already talked about how fluid his hero pool is. He's also, like, of that age. He's just coming in to be of the age for Overwatch League, so you can have, like, that argument that we see Odyssey doing a really good job of, job of where they pick up these, like, talent and they keep them and they mold them and they give them this platform and they allow them to just build and flourish in their careers. That's why Odyssey has found a lot of value with Rhino, with Tree that we're seeing over on NA. I think Chase Watch could be that player that you pick up. He has has already got all of that fluidity in this hero pool and you just allow him to become even greater than he already is yeah uh as the the requisite french hater on the on okay the here broadcast, we go which i i had a great time like i want to be honest i just ran the bit the whole season of just making fun of team Pepper your mentions look great right like in on twitter I know, <laughs> dude. that was actually that was fun that was a good time respect the peps though and respect to the, the french players because like nah dude they got the beans they're they're okay. good enough like <laughs> ben best and fd guy like i i've kind of highlighted team peps and mm. the what i thought was a little bit of their shortcoming in the latter uh part of run it back but i don't think that was at the fault of Ben Best, who was at being asked to play literally every single tank on the roster. And I would still consider him better than most players uh, in EU contenders at any given tank. Mm. Uh, but still, I, I do think it against an ex Oblivione, that's just enough. So, like, yeah, still back him up with another tank, but he's still incredible um, yep. and, and would be deserving of a spot. FD God, I think, is ultra deserving of a spot, as oh, I was yeah. highlighting earlier with the supports thing. And if you want to continue down like the the France rabbit hole, uh, I think Natlox and Zerion also look particularly good, um, and I, I think those two have a bright future. So, yeah, no, dude, the French players are just good. I don't, I don't have to tell you, like, <laughs> there's there's no cope about it. Like, they they got it. Yes, yeah, you kind of brought up uh, like London and their Rhine, you know, gimmickery early on in the season. I, I think people are people tend to forget that Ben Best. Uh, he did it first. Got a, got a pretty <laughs> nasty rhyme. So I don't, you know, if you wanna if you if you wanna enter the mind palace or become, you know, <laughs> Doctor Strange for a moment and just, you know, run through the laundry list of what kind of DPS are still on the market and how Ben Best could like be running Rhine and they could be the new London and maybe Vancouver Titans, uh just trounce them anyways. I don't know. Anyways, uh I'm just saying. If if the rumors are true and justice do land with Ben Best, they they could you know be a little colorful. They could have a style to them. It's certainly possible. Yeah, I think and, that, that that will be inevitably important for a roster. I mean, sure. it, 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 if you look at that roster, it doesn't look like a budget team. It still pretty much is a budget budget team, right? Um, yeah. But the, I think the the general idea here will still be that you probably don't just want to go, you know, pound for pound, just like take ego challenges with, sure. which you could with our DPS line, right? But at the same time, sure. you you got to find something that differentiates you, yes. um, not least in order for me to win the Lord bet. 
uh, in order to you know like get get ahead of uh, teams like Vancouver. Um, and I am I am uh, interested to see like just how it eventually turns out in, in terms of the color that we very often talk about what uh, DC could be developing there because. Mm not least if you're just one guy coaching that comes down to a lot of the players and the inputs they have on the strategy and how, how that is synthesizes not least in a uh, in a hybrid roster so um hearing that like ben best and uh if god have kept up maybe even improved from from what we've last saw them and then also i mean if if people remember season three like once they had those incredible players around them they naturally adapted to everyone else i think it's also like you get better scrim blocks your, your level just naturally cha uh, changes of course at the same time like if if that th those exact two players end up being like the the cruise ship, uh, ship anchors to your team i think rightfully one would then have to um face some criticism there right sure of course if that's like the weak links then you know if those are your guys then you know we've got to have a little talk but <laughs> you know I, know, I feel like, like the team itself is just like a very much we're trying to cover all of our bases because like we know that Overwatch League is probably going to be played on a future patch. We know that the patch is definitely in the meta is going to shift dramatically. Roytox yes. going to get a rework to come through. Junker Queen's going to be getting a couple of buffs. And the fact that you've got, if the rumors are true, if Alfie gets picked up as well, Jorah and I have seen like he's got a really good tracer, but he's also able to flex onto things like the Echo. So mm -hmm. depending on what the actual meta is, they're going to have a lot of their bases covered. And because they're picking up a player like Ben Best and FD God, who are known for being able to flex through all of these different heroes, they're still going to be able to hit all of those different compositions without having to really have all of these different players that you sub in per map or meta. I love hearing some some happy things about alfie and i love alfie Jeremy, like we did a stint in contenders china we got to see alfie mm -hmm. rise and it was just an absolute pleasure to get to watch the guy absolutely rampage for roster after roster whether it was the choice or whether it was the echo he always performed non-existent producer can you zoom in on yes face when when i ask him about a Prita and what he's up to <laughs> come on man you can't do me dirty like hey, that oh, that's no. all i'm asking is you know i picked a person twice in our yeah. improper rookie draft you <laughs> seemingly lucked out on a Prita. yeah what what did alpha you did do last season he pounded on the spark i only saw losses for this team <laughs> oh, I didn't see your player at all. Yeah. Checkmate, atheist. Um, DPS. There's one name. You know, I've tried to speak. I, I tried to speak to a couple people last year ahead of the 2022 season. I I had pulled one of the NA experts aside um, that dabbled across. I won't name names because I don't know if they want me to name them. Um, and a name that I definitely did not have on my radar, um, was a young and beautiful DPS, Maimon? Maimon? Yes, W Maimon. Oh, it's been he around was. a hot minute. Like, he was has been just definitely not on my radar. And uh -huh. they were like, yo, like if this guy comes back, like you gotta watch out for him. He's nuts. He's cracked. Like you gotta, and have, you know, have seen him come back. Definitely played this season. So I need I need like a, a refresh. I need you know more people to know about Maymoan because apparently he might be the truth. Yeah, well, honestly, like, if you ever want to see a Maymoan game, or is I I had it in my notes. 
because he just he popped off like crazy there was one game in specific mm. where he stalls this card for like three minutes straight there it is versus raspberry races playoffs day one he stalls on defense of point A for like three entire fights, just himself on that card goes for like four different pulse bombs. And he lives. He lives and he buys them the entire match. His tracer is absolutely nuts, not just at being able to like create so much space, but play the objective. I would say between him and Yoko, who also is a really good tracer player, they play the objective, especially on push maps, perfectly. They see an opportunity, there's one match where everyone's fighting on the high ground on New Queen Street around the statue to secure that space mm -hmm. for their sojourn. No one's contesting the bot, the tracer immediately blinks down to the bot, takes full control and starts everyone now having to reposition, and you catch the entire team out because they're stuck in that reposition mode, their backs are turning and your sojourn's set up in space. Yeah. Is this, dude, is this somebody it... that you kind of have on your radar as well, Dor? Uh, yeah, dude, I think it's so hard to talk about EU and DPS because, okay. like, of the roles, I think this is the most, like, individually stacked in terms of just sheer mass of players. Mm. Like, I think there are some incredible sports coming out of Europe, but the thing, I'm not 100% sure if I put my money on, like, okay, like, all of Europe is hyper-dense with, like, support talent. Gotcha, yeah, And yeah. then Tank definitely has, like, a few really good standouts, and then it, like, you hit, like, okay, they're really good for contenders, but are they, like, good for Overwatch League level? Mm. Question mark point. The DPS in, in Europe are, are just a little dumb. And I think Maimon is another dumb one amongst many <laughs> dumb DPS players that are just freaks of nature uh, mechanically. In Europe, I think the question is now how do they fit into a team environment? Sure. Brings me again back to what I was talking about with EXO yeah. and why I think Shockwave and Psycho were so particularly good for this team. Well, it was their ability to kind of play outside of their role and peel and be able to support the team outside of just getting frags. Because I mean, we, we saw Yoko pop off, we saw Maimon pop off, we saw Cookie pop off, we saw Quartz and Yubi, who I thought worked together particularly well, right? Hybrid, who was just <laughs> a, a pile of headshots uh, in a team that was. Like struggling to find consistency. I, I actually I have the message from when they asked for my predictions. Okay. And it was straight up like, okay, how they were asking for my top three. And at this point, we were like one round into the bracket, mm. right? And the question for me was like Munich Esports or Peps. And I thought Peps, if they lost, they had to play up against Twisted Minds, who they had like struggled up against before because I think Peps had a few like mental issues okay. at some point. And then I was like, Munich, all Munich Esports has to do is have Hybrid carry at least two games for them, and, and then they're just, like, into the top three, and I was like, yeah, Hybrid could do that. <laughs> so, okay. So, again... So somebody you're, you're willing to bet on? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's, like, Overwatch League yet. I think there's still some refining to do with sure. Hybrid, uh, but mechanically insane. And then, like, Ken, a great sniper player. LVD showed a lot of improvement run it back. Uh, Alexi as well. Love, Sia, Shockwave. The, the DPS is, like, you, you highlight Maimon, but you can't not highlight literally sure. anybody in like the top yeah. five teams at the top six teams if not more than that uh right now for these guys so, so interesting it is insanely difficult and i think the question now doesn't fall on like okay we saw some crazy performances from maimon or we saw some crazy performances from cookie or we saw some absurd shots hit by hybrid it's like no how well do they fit into the team right. how well are they playing roles outside of their own and i think that is legitimately the significant difference maker for shockwave and cycle because shock i don't know if you if you watch any of the games like shockwave was Doing well, of course, right? Mm. Like winning a lot of his matches, but it wasn't in like the dominant way that right, hybrid is, or the the, the crazy mm. pop off yeah. that we saw. It was like consistent value, staying alive, playing properly with the team, peeling for his tank, like that kind of thing. That, that's really setting DPS apart right now. Mm. Yeah, I'd say consistency for sure. Like you talk about Cookie, 
Munich was the biggest surprise for me for the entire year. Like, Munich coming along in A-sides off of open division and then beats everybody to win A-sides. And we're like, okay, this team are absolutely monsters. Cookie is the best Sojin in the entire region. What's going to happen? And then B-sides hits, Cookie gets traded off to SMC. And we're thinking, okay, maybe this is going to go well for this team. Maybe they're going to be able to really play off of this guy's Sojin play. And it goes awfully, horrendously. <laughs> And then Run It Back comes along and Cookie is back to that high level that we saw in A-side. So I think for me it really is about the consistency because players like Quartz, players like Yubi, players like uh, Yoko, every one of those, like you mentioned, or had pop-off moments which are extremely memorable and definitely highlight-worthy. However, not a lot of them were really consistently able to continue to hit those highs. Shockwave and Psycho, I think, were the best just because consistently they were doing the most amount of damage, they were getting the most amount of flutter deadlifts, we got to see really and i don't know how much of that was down to the individual skill or how much of that was impacted by everyone else on the team because like we said exo were the strongest team in the region because every single player on every single one of those roles was the strongest the most consistently strongest at that it, that's and i think dor you kind of like unknowingly and i think maybe you purposefully did this so correct me if i'm wrong um <laughs> It, it was it's an interesting kind of narrative point especially when you look at like the history of the overwatch league it does seem that like europe does just export main supports a lot of the time where it's just like oh boston gets a main support and kellex is in the league and like big goose and like there's always like there's these notable like support players that just kind of come over from europe not so much dps some tanks here and there but a lot of the times it was just like at least in my mind and, and yes maybe you can chime in here like they were just the support region that was just like just churning out like great main supports great lucios great briggs you know just solid backlines and to see that completely maybe 180 in some direction where like every team just got cracked dps players it's like i almost want to like bring them over to collegiate like i want to just like who 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 like who needs one like let's start like you, it seems like you can throw a rock in europe but you hit like a good dps too like that I wanna, that collegiate bit's not even a bad show. Like if no, you are yeah. just like a random college that wants to invest in your esports, like if you can pay for a plane ticket, like, <laughs> dude, I, I mean... got, I I can immediately up your program right now, and I will charge you a very low consultation fee. <laughs> like... hey, we know it works as well. We yeah. have the success story of Lethal. He yeah, was exactly. in EU. He got a collegiate spot. He got a scholarship in NA, and now he's finding a home in Redbirds. And Redbirds are doing amazingly in that yeah. collegiate zone. How how is Lethal? Throw some money. Yeah, speaking of lethal, yeah. I'm how, how was lethal like in comparison to all the other DPS? Was he clearly standing out or like just fitting in? Like, what's, what's the relative level here? No, I think you can say that because like you've seen Redbirds the most in action as of recently. It was weird. Like, lethal and vision, especially initially, because there were, there were a lot of questions being asked of them uh, of like, okay, who's playing what DPS? and whatnot uh but i lethal was a kind of beacon of consistency for me mm -hmm. um especially in terms of just raw performance and so i think that's the the real highlight to to lethal and i think this this comes for like a lot of teams right you you want a player that's po that's popping off and you want a player that's going to kind of provide you that consistency in the dps line and that seems to be a pretty good combo uh, for most teams, and I think if you're looking for a consistent uh, player within that role, like, Lethal is definitely top tier. So, I, I have very few bad things to say. Definitely, like, overarchingly capable, definitely kind of expected in that regard. 
Um, it is a major success in terms of like the the EU to collegiate pipeline. That, mm. That's one hundred percent. Yeah, I think. Can we get a collegiate scene in EU? <laughs> Please. <laughs> that's that's what's tough. Is I I have to imagine a collegiate scene would be really really difficult. But I think again, I'm going to use the M word, like the big the big money question. I think what would work for Europe, and and I'm speaking as an American, you know, take it with a grain of salt. You know, NA Amer, you know, education system. Um, but I think like what's worked at least in esports for Europe is the are those like those those like regional leagues where it's like you have like the French league and the German league. Like you have all of these like country based leagues that like I I have to wonder if like a collegiate system really makes sense, but like it could be mirrored in this like. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking on the word, but like <laughs> this, this regional country based, you know, no, no, just I'm, like I'm junior world cup. World yeah, cup sort of. EU collegiate doesn't make much sense because most EU colleges and universities are kind of beacons yeah. for their, their given area, as opposed to like the massive state schools or like generationally backed colleges of America. Right. And so yeah, you tend to get sure. more, more in like a very traditional esports grassroots scene, which is what I think you're imagining, right? Like old CS yeah. leagues. Uh, and stuff that would happen more often uh, in Europe and how that's been esports' way of growing in Europe for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that popped up. I mean, obviously, like, France is a, a center. There, there's plenty of other places that, that have the, the player base for it. And to some degree, I mean, Saudi E-League still very sure. much a thing and, and is funding a lot of European Overwatch right about now. Uh, so, like, I think there is room for that and players are willing to play in it. Money yeah. is always the question which is what makes you like be like yeah dude like na university just pick these players up because to them the the money it costs to fly somebody across the ocean not that much like it is these colleges want to spend like they have a budget to spend they just actually don't know what to do with it exactly right scouting is the bigger problem Mm -hmm. for a lot of these colleges i think it's one of the big things uh that sets in particular northwood and redbirds apart northwood uh like redbirds have success in overwatch but like Northwood, if you look at what they do, right, like insane success across the board, largely thanks to uh, Evolve. And just like I, I've firsthand seen the hours that that man pours into just going into random players, mm. and, and like uh, I'm going to use the word children here because they are of college age, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, as if I didn't graduate like a year ago. <laughs> but uh, just going to like random children's Twitch streams, you know, mm. and being like, "Hey, what's good? Just watching you play, like." That, that kind of thing and, and making those connections it, it is raw hours that you have to put in or you could just watch european contenders and like <laughs> and so in that way it feels like there is kind of a gold mine here for for collegiate should it want to go that way which i think is a little sad that we're talking about that because the overwatch league as much as i think there was hopium that the whole oh you know eu visa thing would change there's been no evidence to suggest that it will. Yeah, sadly. it's even worse than all of the well. concentration yeah. uh, that there is here. It's always with an asterisk and a, a very like, you know, sad one at that. Yeah, this the, the thing is like for for the American viewers, the thing in European sports that historically replaces the collegiate system that you see in professional sports in, in North America, it's usually like you know, sports team academies that take these players on very early. They often have also education going alongside the um, those youth programs. And even if not, then they still have extensive programs. I, I once coached like a, uh, ta- taught a, um, a student who wor- played for a local uh, football club and he would like every 
uh, every other day or almost every day, he would have to be picked up from the main station in order to go to practice, right? And they'd get, be paid the salary, and if they're good enough, maybe the club even employs the parents, that type of stuff, right? Of course, other than Schalke, for a brief moment, before they had to sell the LEC spot, no less at a high profit, <laughs> but still... Um, there just isn't that much interest in esports, so there is no infrastructure to to grip into the esports development, and therefore it's very hard for like it's just another structural uh, disadvantage that Europe has over uh, behind like NA that there is nothing really. Basically, Joe, in order to, like so you understand, there's no pay pick. No, I mean EU's pay pick is slowly but surely becoming Saudi, but Saudi Arabia, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which I you know there. I think like it seems to be in a pretty healthy way, but if the <clears throat> scene starts to shift, it could obviously mm. change. And you'd like to see that just diversified, so it's not one thing that if sure. it stops, yes. then just the the faucets Everything shut off. You know, yeah, because uh, that that can become a very real problem, uh, a very yeah. real threat if like that just starts to fail, and then you're like, oh, oh guess we got no money anymore. Like, I guess. The problem as well, like the Saudi E Leagues thing, it wasn't just purely collegiate or contenders level; it was Overwatch League players as yeah. well. So they would thing. literally, yeah, it, it's it's a great thing to see, like, honestly, getting to see Overwatch League players and Contenders players incorporated, because you can sort of use that as a mini trials as well mm -hmm. before the trials had even yeah. started, to see whether or not a Contenders player would still be able to beat out an Overwatch League player, but it doesn't really act as that traditional vein of collegiate in the way that it's not just collegiate players. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. literally if you're taking collegiate players and putting them into Overwatch League and just throwing them straight into the event and going, okay, now do something. And is it like cr as cruel as that sounds? It's almost like a good thing where it's like you are now like tested at at like the hardest level. And we, I, you know, after speaking with some of the Paris staff last or this year, I guess technically not when you're listening to this, but in 2022, um, like listening to some of those guys talk about like how like yeah we joined the league and it was rough, but like there is like tangible growth that like we've you know seen with these these players. And it's like the more that you do kind of like run into that blender, the more you are going to be coming out the other side as like a like fresh tropical smoothie. And it's going to take a minute and it's going to suck. But like you will you will squeeze out blood from a stone eventually. And like mm -hmm. you, we just need more of that. And I'm starting to come around to that idea of like if there was more ways for like the overwatch league talent to like either integrate or even like play against some of these contenders talent, maybe like a world cup. match, like <laughs> yeah, world cup too. Like it's yeah. great that we were getting it back, but it's just yeah. like, that is going to like develop so many, so many good players and like only push the, the overall like skill level of this game forward. Sure. I'm kind of hoping that they go the way that Valorant has gone. Valorant has like two ways that you can queue. You can queue into ranked, or from next year you're going to be able to like queue into servers that are specifically based around scouting opportunities. Oh, so okay. I'm really hoping that maybe Blizzard does something in the similar vein, where like scouts can literally just use those, not have to worry about like going into streams uh, of people who maybe are unknowns or having to watch both collegiate and contenders for every single region, but that they're going to be able to like sit in and that Overwatch League players or collegiate players or contenders players can right. all just go into this massive mixing pot of people and potentially get noticed and picked up. True. Yeah, that's what Circus was for a while. Yeah, that's that's kind uh, of I had yeah, which that, was awesome. like it, 
I does does like I mean I have to assume so that like Europe has like its own like circus servers and like are they dedicated there or are they just playing uh, circuses? I know it's like home. Yeah, run. yeah. So I mean they they did for a little bit when it was like super popular. There'd be youth specific stuff, and then I think uh, okay, okay. they kind of merged at some point. Mm. So I get it. I get it. I, I think the players just wanted to play together more than anything else. Oh, for sure. Um, and that was kind of realized, and they're just having fun. I think. Yeah. If I remember, you know. I, sure. I mean, think with a grain of salt. <laughs> I, I I do not have Kirk's <laughs> history of circus. <laughs> no, no. I that man is a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's been around the block. He's been around the block. Um, yes, can any thoughts there before I completely derail and ask these two fine experts about a thing that I've only created in my mind? Uh, I the only thing like I mean we're sort of blasted past it, but there's one legend in terms of like someone that turned a lot of Overwatch League's teams down. I think we know at least of one that was publicly talked about um, in Quartz, and I I kind of wanted to uh, pick their brains on Quartz because I can tell you probably. It wasn't probably Mayhem that was the only team blown off there. That's a young young guy that, you know, uh, said, like, I, I value my education over that situation. Also, probably not least <laughs> due to, like, the economic situation in the Overwatch League at large. I think it's, it's generally speaking, like, you have other plans where your heart is at. You, you're basically playing esports in order to, you know, do something that you really like to do. And if that's not there then fair enough move on right but how was how was quartz generally because it's pretty interesting that i i think like i can just say there was more interest than just from the florida mayhem right so quartz honestly like i think maybe a part of it is that quartz wanted to go along with yubi because like doors talked about this quartz and yubi together were an absolute amazing tag team of a duo like honestly some of the best dps energy that we've seen in the entire contenders region, both of EMEA and NA. Uh, or maybe he wants to just like hold off until a maybe more stronger team approach him because he has the chops to go to a really strong team. He was one of the best surgeons. His overclocks were always extremely memorable. They always overcreated the space. He got a lot of kills. And he also played with O1 Esports, which was a very strange thing to see because O1 Esports basically went through a massive identity shift between A-sides, B-sides, and run it back, where A-sides and B-sides, they were very vehemently a pharmacy-based team, and then in run it back, they fielded two rosters, one which was pharmacy-based, which went to Saudi E-leagues, and then one which was closer to the run it back meta, and that meant that Quartz and Yubi would constantly be playing for that team, as opposed to sometimes being subbed out uh, and taken in, depending on which map that they were running onto. Yeah, I think... To to explain a little bit why it it seems like there's maybe like an inflated amount of interest in him, but I think there's a certain bias in coaches where it's like as long as that guy can click heads at an astronomical rate, I can fix everything else. Which okay, you do you. I'm not sure if that's yeah. true, for, but but like I, I think that's there's a certain propensity to go like okay. Mechanics, A, check, and then, oh, yeah, you can communicate as well. Ah, yeah, yeah, I get that boy talking, right? And um, it, it seems to me that, like, that at least the first box was checked. I'm not sure. Of course, I have no insight into intangibles there. Um, what 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 else was going on? Yeah, I, I don't know. For, for me, again, this is, like, amongst 
a region with obscenely stacked DPS, Quartz is another one of them, which is like, okay. right. not to say Quartz is not a very good DPS, uh, and especially like for a team like Florida Mayhem, who already has Sermajan, another Saudi player, like it makes sense why you'd make an offer towards that, right? Mm -hmm. There is that synergy, there's that history there uh, for those two. So, or actually, well, not 100% sure if Sermajan's back or not, but Sermajan's really good. Anyways, uh, but yeah, like I, I think this is a, a player that's fully capable of of getting a, an offer we've seen kind of the rise of courts in overwatch 2 specifically with uh a lot of the sojourn i thought courts had an incredible ash when given the opportunity so i wouldn't be surprised if you're playing scrims and you're asking people to play different compositions and to play different things if that flexibility that courts has hinted at really kind of blossomed and it became something much more than just what we see on like the contenders broadcast that would be mm -hmm pretty unsurprising for him and would give him a leg up over all the clickhead DPS players that you're talking about. Uh, so yeah, I think it's unsurprising to see that like that, that is definitely a player that could get an offer. And if in trials where you have uh, an opportunity to really put them, their pool and their communication ability under a microscope, if that just became something that they were good and they showed some intangibles that we haven't gotten in, uh, in a B and run it back again with the prevalence of sojourn being such a, sure. A limiting factor in terms of scoutability for hit scan players. Mm -hmm. It's I such think a. He's weird also thing. like again yeah. got that sort of cover base thing because again he played with like O one so he's played with off meta comps and he's played with on meta comps uh, and when we like talk to teams in interviews afterwards we'd be like how does it feel having to go when you fight two games in one day and you go against one on meta comp and then one off meta comp. How is that? And they're like, it's not fun. We don't like it. So I think because Quartz already has that flexibility of, as Dor mentioned, like being able to swap between things like the Sojourn, but also still having an absolutely nutty Ash, he elevates himself massively. So if teams in trials throw curveballs at players to see how quickly they're able to adapt, Quartz has that leg up over some DPS players. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. It seems like the more that like, yeah, the more the more that I talk to both of you, the more that I'm just like, man, we do just need like just a couple more slots. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I talk a couple more slots. I I'm honestly I'm hoping for just a shift away from Sojourn Lucio Kitiko for for those players sure, specifically. Sure. They're just again the, with hit scans, it's like yeah, they're they're just all crazy. Like I'm not to tell you, it's Sojourn. Like everybody looks good. Anybody who can click ahead on like any given Sunday mm -hmm. is just going to look like an incredible player. Until you get into the comms or into a, a trial where you can kind of force them to expand their hero pool sure. or talk, you you miss on some of the intangibles. And I think, like I said, Shockwave was one of the players that kind of exemplified going beyond that role, and you could see it in game. But I think other people are doing it uh, in comms and in flexibility that we haven't had the opportunity to see yet. And I think that's something I, I want to see in the future out of uh, other contenders tournaments. And hopefully out of some of the, the scouting reports from these teams. Sure. I, one of the, you, you kind of touch on flexibility in this like made up role that I'm calling, you know, I'm, I'm testing the floor about. Okay. Is this like the third DPS archetype that like does all like the dirty work on like the weird junk maps and like maybe a Farah player and like maybe they have an Echo and like it almost not, not just a backbone, but like almost like a backbone or like a libero or like somebody that just has like a really odd hero pool that you just like want to like keep around just in case. Is there like a player for both of you that kind of like fits that that mold? Dora, I'll start with you. Is there anybody Ooh. any gadget players? Naga. I okay. like okay. Naga a lot. I think Naga's flexibility this season was actually 
super important to Pep's uh, doing what they did. Okay. Obviously, you know you've you've got uh, great players on that team. Love can can play the hit skin very very well. But Nago is playing everything under the sun. Whether it was May, whether it was Echo, whether it was Genji, whether it was Hanzo, like literally everything. I, dude, I honestly think having a pocket Hanzo player is low key one of the most OP things sure. in the video game right now, and I think it's so slept on. Uh, and so yeah, I, I think that's a role that's very much become a thing. And that's not to say it's a thing for every team. Sure. Because we we've seen this is where I think some identity comes into it of mm-hmm. like working with what you have and understanding like who fits with who uh because it's not always the case it happened a lot with tank players uh in this previous run it back right where like they might have been lacking a particular tank that was in this meta and it just like bit them in the ass and then am i allowed to... anyways uh yeah, yeah. yeah you're allowed to start yes okay okay <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> bit them in the ass and <laughs> and so yeah, having a, a DPS lineup where you've got somebody like Love who can really just hyper-focus on the snipers and the hit scan, and then have a Naga who can play everything else, and you're just going to be fine, uh, that feels really good. And I, I think there's a similar thing going on with uh, Shockwave and Psycho. I don't think it's necessary, though. I think you can have players that kind of do half and half as opposed to the hyper-flex right. and specialist, which, again, has a there's a similar parallel in support, right? Where sure. You have a hyper flex flex player, and then like a Lucio Mercy two trick on the other, on the other role. So, yeah, it's just how you want to play your own cards if your players lean into it. But whatever you do, you need to make sure that your bases are covered, and whether that's fifty fifty or like seventy thirty eighty twenty is mm-hmm. dependent on what players you get and whether or not you correctly identified their hero pool and covered it, their other bases. Right, Moxie, for you, any any weird so, DPS. I have to agree, like, Naga was just insane, uh, okay. because, as Dawes talked about, like, all of those points. Tank player, actually, I want to talk about Dom, because okay. we were talking a little bit earlier in the podcast about how there isn't really a tank player that we feel can cover both the Roadhog, the Winston, and the Orisa. Mm. Dawn is one of those outliers who can, and we saw him really have some amazing pop up like, meta. yeah, Hybrid was an absolute star. For Munich, but Don was really strong for this team as well. There were specific maps where he just carried because he was like, okay, do you know what? I'm done. I'm gonna go Arissa and I'm gonna absolutely body tank diff you into the absolute dust. And I think having one of those tank heroes who can play all three of those as well as rock, paper, scissors, every other tank in the book is really important and valuable because it means that if you do want to keep some of those subspaces open for either support or a DPS, you have a tank that can do everything and you don't need to have a sub for tank role. I mean, that's good, but what what happens when it's not this meta and you need yeah, to- Yeah, like, you, you stole Naga, okay? I didn't just want to be like, like I yeah, think Don, Don's a, a, a solid, the only player. flexible main. Like, I, I brought up the idea of, like, a main tank. Like, most yeah. main tank players are either playing the traditional main tanks or they're playing, like, the weird hog and, like, Sigma variant that was a main tank in Overwatch mm-hmm. 1 when you played those specific Sigma compositions and when he wasn't played kind of as an off tank. Um... And, and Don definitely falls into a weird category where he's, like, playing the traditional main tanks and happens to have a crazy Roadhog. Uh, but I don't think he's, like, a hyperflex. I think he's just got a little bit of a weird pool that might be a little bit bigger than That's definitely normal. true. I definitely remember, I think... I'm going to just double-check because I always get them confused. He's um, definitely flexible. I, I, I'll he's definitely flexible. Uh, weirdly good at Wrecking Ball, if memory serves. I think him him for Paris was actually a weird... Yes. A weird... Very true, yeah, yeah. I think... Yeah, because that was when uh, Justice was uh, woeful, and they uh, took a Cleveland. <laughs> you have no oh, idea how yeah. bad I want a ball mid of all of them. Don't even, don't even get me started. Don't, God, dude, how might, badly? 
I okay. I I can't lament over NA teams. Never mind. I'll go on about G4 some other day. Jerix will tell you that that team was my baby. Uh, I thought any... Florida were your baby though. No, G4's uh, G4's were my child. They did not get. <laughs> they got so gypped by Overwatch too. It is so sad. I hope they reform when Ball Meta comes around. Hey, I mean, I think if if Hogs getting getting gutted and they're taking a look at tank positions, you know, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll they'll juice them up a little bit. Any weird positional <laughs> stuff, Yiska? Any anybody you're looking at? No, the the thing that like uh, that I'm. Mildly confused about it, the matters that we've seen so far. It's like but prior to Overwatch 2 hitting, like everyone's like, oh yeah, 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 the single tank, like because we're playing the three, three DPS comps with the ball, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to have a ton of ball. Literally the one tank that doesn't have a meta in the Overwatch League, like for, for any extended period of time was ball, right? Um, to be fair, ball wasn't a factor of not fitting into the game. His stats just sucked. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I think he is still a hearable a hero that is very well suited to Overwatch Two. He's just mistuned massively. So, sure, he's yeah. mistuned, and I feel like he's falling. Not to completely drive this into a tangent, but he's he's quickly falling into like a weird like you need a very specific skill set, and I think Doom's kind of like this, but to a lesser degree but it's like the lucios the tracers the sombras the the wrecking balls like you need almost a specialist to like yeah yeah, yeah. Thrive on it. yes and like they're just becoming like this tracer luxury or this lucio luxury where it's yeah. just like cool like it's a ball meta give me a ball player watch us get the playoffs like watch us just punch up because like mm -hmm. every time we get one of those like hard lucio metas it's no surprise that like xerneas or or funny astro or like fd god like you guys have been talking about you know really really thrive and it's not to say that they can only play those heroes but like they are That's absolutely yeah. world class exactly and like yeah it's, it's kind of obvious for ball the skill set is so outside of any so other hot. tank uh but no i i'm not even gonna start dude i watching good ball players cook might be one of my it's favorite crazy. things yeah, on the planet. Cool. and not just good ball players like ball in in any meta shows how your whole team has to play mm -hmm. yeah like hands down just no questions asked it doesn't matter how good you are your team has to be good enough to play with ball and so ball raises a lot of questions in shakier teams and teams without a ball player and there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you're playing that hero but when it goes right yeah, so you you gotta be fine with this i'm the the maddened anna player who's chasing after ball being like line up, don't go for a whole back i'm 10 percent away from nano sucks to suck uh, anyways <laughs> Is there is there anybody for the both of you that you're looking at is like, I don't know if you're, you know, maybe, maybe you, an owl trial has dodged you. Maybe there's not enough slots. Maybe, you know, visa hell is, is a real thing may, that has like kind of. I, I know that's a maybe. But... I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to be nice. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> trying to sugarcoat this as best I can. Okay. Is there anybody on like a, like a bottom team that you're like kind of rooting for you're, you're kind of hoping like as this graduating class gets promoted um that they kind of like filter up into like those oh one those ex oblivionis that kind of get promoted within your you know contenders europe moxie is there anybody there's there's one player that immediately stands out to me and it is hira from shoes money crew okay. because this guy came along he used to be on the sub bench then trace the meta hit and they could finally play him and he comes onto king's row and he drops a 42 eliminations and a two death game Jeez. <laughs> I remember okay. looking at the stats and be like, "There's, there's no way, there's no way that's correct." He went from like 
30 kills on the map before where he had something like three deaths and then he comes onto King Jorah and it's 42 limbs and two deaths and there's like double pulse bomb kills as well like he plays Tracer absolutely barmily but we don't really get to see him because unfortunately SMC are one of those teams that are slightly lower down in the bracket so a lot of the time here because as well he's like a little bit newer to the scene too he needs that time to really be able to develop and flourish and find his footing and identity as well as being able to again hear that consistently it's great if you can come in and drop a 42 will into death but you have to be able to pull that out consistently otherwise we're just going to call it a flake all right i'm gonna give three shout outs here and increasing levels of coolness number one thematic just for like heading up a lot of teams in between overwatch and one and overwatch two i think was just Consistently in the scene, so I just want to this for him. Uh, okay. Secondly, Sukrax, who I think has been uh, particularly good. Uh, I, I think on a, a number of, of teams that have just not really looked that great, has performed well on Sheer Cold, and I am excited to see more of them, and I hope I get to see more of Sukrax uh, on whether another roster or on the same Sheer Cold roster if they happen to find more success. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, oh, it's a deep cut. We're going into the staff levels of things. I want to say M3, okay. uh, who did some coaching over in Chinese Contenders and actually got onto Sheer Cole, or not Sheer Cole, onto the Shoes Money Crew uh, EU roster mm-hmm. literally as they were going into the bracket. Like they barely made it into the bracket. Okay. M3 comes along and, like, I don't know what this man did, but he whipped the team into shape, like, <laughs> got them going, changed strategically what they were doing really just a complete 180 uh in terms of organization in terms Mm -hmm. of positioning in terms of map strategy uh seemingly overnight and every single player that we talked to had nothing to say but extremely positive things about him he was incredibly kind on broadcast when we spoke to him in the interview was super knowledgeable Mm -hmm. uh, brought a really interesting outlook to the game on top of that and i think hurix would say all the same things as me and every interaction i've had with them whether it's been through chinese contenders or this mm-hmm. has been extremely positive and i maybe selfishly hope he stays in eu contenders <laughs> uh to, to coach some more teams because like this is a good team but it was made significantly better with his involvement and i suspect that he can uh cook a little bit more up if given the opportunity and the time sure. and hopefully not just brought in during a bracket stage What's interesting, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do I have this like very vivid memory, and I'm pretty sure it was M3, and I don't know who Shoes Money Crew is playing, but I think he was one of the interviews that you and Kirix did, he where he, yeah. he you guys brought him on, and he kind of just gave this like really candid like opening of the playbook, where it's like, yeah, we think this team like only plays well together, so we just like sp- like put our players on the wings, and was like really just like open about how they strategically just broke down this game i couldn't tell you what game it was maybe you remember but it was like really poignant it It was like shockingly both candid and like smart like this is like the the x's and o's stuff that like everybody Uh, wants to hear i think it was the 3-0 against sheer cold in round six possibly i don't know i don't remember any but no it was and it was also like that that interview was just adorable like it was so good (laughs) him talking about like his dad he sounded like a proud dad yeah he was so excited for this team to be doing well and to watch like what he did succeed Mm -hmm. and i think having that excitement in a coaching role is like it really does trickle down to your players for sure there's no doubt about that so yeah i I mean that interview is telling speaking to the players about him has been just as much so uh i really wish the best for him and whatever is to come yeah very like if you can find it i know that like 
mid broadcast content is always hard to find but if you are like contender's head like definitely look look for it um i think you said it was the three versus sheer cold i think like, so it's, it's it was one of the last time. like three or four rounds for sure easily one of the best like and i to be fair i haven't like been entrenched in contenders as much as i'd like to but like one of those interviews that like really stands out is like okay like there's it's it felt special so i it did want to echo that as well um jessica any... yeah like yeah. okay here's see i i i I asked the, the Redditor question to these two guys, and they they handled it like with ease. So I thought in my in my brain, I'm like, who's the who's the one group that's worse, that's conceivably worse, and is very like European specific. So I went, me being a man of the people in a very misanthropic way, went, what about the Twitter soccer pro profile picture crowd? Okay. And I asked them, you know, those insider, like, European hardcore fans, who, who's, for instance, the best tank, right? Because those guys will say zero good things about Ben Best, I tell you that much. They, they will tell you that he's not top five in EU. And their chosen tank of choice is Krandop. And that's interesting, because I've also heard him, uh, like, trialing in a bunch of teams and... Like, if for a while, like, he already was signed to some team or had a handshake agreement, which didn't turn out to be the case and whatnot. So what what can you guys tell me there? Are the soccer PFPs for once correct? You know, I don't know, I don't know if you've, you probably haven't seen my second Twitter account is a soccer PFP. So I can, <laughs> I can definitely, oh, no. I get to talk. <laughs> I get to talk. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. I can, I can speak on this. Uh, no, dude, if, if you want a player to fill your, like, main tank role, Crandops insane like just no questions about it you should pick them up and if you want uh, a hyperflex tank and then you want to like like you like we we're talking about like we, there are those specialist roles and not many teams have the the ability to just like pick up a ball player like but if you want to pick up a ball player your other main tank should or your other tank player should absolutely be a ben best like it, they, they bring very different things to the table um and so i think if you're looking for a main tank player crandop is definitely your, your no-brainer pick for the region uh, if you're looking for a hyperflex, Ben Best is a no-brainer pick for the region. If you're looking for an off tank, you've also got some pretty solid options. I actually think that's the much harder argument to make. Um, maybe just because we got to see less of it, it was mostly like Sigma on Circuit Royale, and then people playing Diva when their team didn't have a monkey player. Uh, so that was like not a great kind of uh, lens to look at them through. But the off tank picks one that I would not want to choose. <laughs> Right. Yeah, the, I think in order to appeal to that crowd, you would have to at least use the uh, adjective dog shit twice. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Off tank, off tank, bit of a Mickey Mouse roll. And, and then in True. terms of do dog shit players... Who's fraudulent? Was, yeah. <laughs> Dude. Oh, uh, you know, we. I only got to watch like a little bit of Sheer Cold. I felt so bad for Crew, though. Uh, or true, I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Right. Is like crew looked like he was having the single worst time playing tank of like anybody I saw in contenders. And like, you know, there there are obviously like some some tank like differences to be had there of like just playing as like Crandop and, and Bedbest yeah. and stuff like that. But like it was a team gap, and like crew was largely at the center of it, like of just getting all of the focus cyberbullied onto him. That was maybe the worst like 
oof, I've, I saw all season in terms of tank role, but I don't think that means Cruz bad. It was just kind of team gapping. Yeah. Uh, Joe, let, let's let's play that with the, uh, those guys because I'm interested. Like, I'm especially like in my mind, Can I like. Ask, me to ask them wh who's lazy? No, no. Okay, <laughs> that's your like that's your shtick. Uh, no, but Lee. Yeah. Okay, so let let's play adopt an European player. Okay, so. <laughs> McLaughlin, we're getting pulled down from YouTube. All right, continue. Okay. So, imagine you're the Vancouver Titans. You're Baroy, okay? <laughs> and you look at that roster that's currently signed. Is there anyone yeah. in EU that's like a no-brainer for you to pick up? So, like, okay, they have only Punk as tank at the moment. Like, is that someone like Cron Drop? Could, could, Drop could, could he fit in there? Or who else would fit that roster well? Yeah, I'd take a Cron Drop. Right. That's, that seems like the yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like especially because you know Crown Up like we talked about has that sort of flexibility because before he was with EXO he was mm -hmm. with O1 and Twisted Minds so he actually played Ball and Winston mm -hmm. for those teams because they would run pharmacy and they use things like a Ball or a, a Winston to open up space for either LBBD or Yuzan to be able to work off of. So Crown Up has probably the most amount of experience playing Winston in contenders EMEA, except maybe for Jaykaru. Jaykaru yeah, might yeah, have a little bit more hours on Winston. You can't say Winston without Jaykaru. Like, that that's is very true. In a year, that's not, that's not fair. In, yeah, in a region with, like, not that many, like, dedicated Winston players, it really is, yeah. Like, and as far as, like, hero pool, right, with, with Punk and what you're looking at, like, Crandop mm -hmm. just makes sense to go with them. And that, that's the one thing I want. Like, if these teams are going to pick up two tanks, just make sure their, their tank lines go together. I think that's more important than any... Uh, like amount of individual like crazy flexibility or skill or whatever it's just as long as you have a cohesive plan that is the most important and their plan seems to be okay we have punk okay we need a, a tank that can fill the main tank role and both traditionally and likely on the hog uh and, and kratos kind of shown us everything that you need in that so yeah that, that does seem like a, a no-brainer one to lean into what about okay. What about the Florida Mayhem? They have four players, right? Like they have Checkmate, someone, RuPaul, and uh, Merit. So well, Checkmate bet on tank. <laughs> okay, checkmate, when... checkmate Hog is the next edition. Trust me. Right. So <laughs> we need a support player, and I mean, we probably don't need a tank player with someone. And that, yeah, I mean, it's your choice. Like, do you feel like there's there's anyone that could be a DPS that could slot into uh, between checkmate or, or merit, or is there like, you know, uh, any support player that stands out? Maybe even two support players. In EU specifically, checkmate merit. I wouldn't hate Naga mm. on a team like that. That's again, like, my, just to provide that flexibility in the DPS line, because like merit, checkmate, like good at their particular heroes, but I definitely would want more from, like, a, a projectile DPS perspective and kind of the, the more flex things, and Naga really does bring that to the table. Uh, and then support line, who's there? What's the the one that they have out right now? RuPaul. 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 So, yeah. so, perhaps then, I don't know. I can see Slay, honestly, putting in uh, really nicely to that, too. Just think of, I want Slay in Overwatch, 
Literally, every single time you ask me a support-based question, I'm going to say Slay. He deserves it. He puts in so much effort, the fact that he can literally just really, like a chameleon, change his skin and really be able to hit the highest level of a hero and then do it with every single other support hero with so little time to get used to how they play. Because when we talk to Kiriko players, like every single time we did an interview with a Kiriko player, we would hear something different about how to use Suzu or how to sure. use Rush or how to disengage with Rush. But it felt like Slay had just the best knowledge and understanding of how Kiriko's kit was used in the shortest amount of time. EXO were like the first team that really started using things like the Suzu on Death Blossoming Reapers because they understood that using that Suzu, committing that resource onto the Reaper meant that the ultimate finds so much more value as opposed to holding on to it, losing the fight because your Death Blossom absolutely fluffs, and then you can't use Suzu because you're in your respawn point. Yeah, I, I look at the, the flex rolls being important. Slay, Kanael is maybe a little too unproved. Like, th this is the thing. Like, I, I really back Kanael as somebody who's going to be big going into the next seasons of Contenders, but is mm -hmm. just lacking the kind of proof of concept sure. to, to do more, right? Played a lot no, of more early on. I old enough. Um, is he? Is Kanael? I did not realize that was an issue. Because he was... Oh, no, Kanael's 17. Yeah. He's good. Oh, there you go. So he is um, going to be okay now, but yeah, because he played I, for Munich in open day. experience, and we haven't yeah. seen enough of his hero pool, but, like, look, his Moira is, like, gapping other Moiras, which is something that I can only say about, like, Fielder <laughs> is, my, is my other shout-out for, like, Moiras that just gap other Moiras, which seems like an impossibility, but, yes. again, <laughs> uh, very true. So... Great supports. <laughs> I do I do really like Kanael. I think Kanael's got some growing to do, but very promising in the future. Uh, I gave a shout out to Zarion. I'm not sure how well he'd fit into the mayhem system mm. that they seem to have going. I think his and roster then... would overlap, unfortunately, with Ruble. Yeah, exactly. A little bit too much, yeah. Uh, I guess he went other teams, but just no. not on mayhem. Xrath, maybe, actually. But I, I think, like, Florida Mayhem are looking for a very traditional, like, flex DPS player, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, or flex support player, rather. So, yeah. Let me throw this one at you. You know, obviously, Kevster is kind of... Pardon me. Never mind. Man. No, you're fine. Uh, Kevster's kind of the holding up the uh, the DPS line for the Gladiators who every year feel like they're within striking distance of an Overwatch League title. If you had to choose one from the litany, it sounds like, that are graduating out of Europe or hopefully graduating out of Europe, um, who would be your bet to pair with Kevster for the Glads? See, that's the main one, because like we said, DPS lineups are the most saturated when it comes to top talent. Pick a favorite. Gun to Pick head. A favorite. The I mean, like Dora said, it's so hard to be able to like try and choose because of just the way that the meta played. Right? Because Hevs sure, obviously right. has like a very, 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 very strong hit scan he's got a very good genji he has like a lot of really good hero pools i could maybe see some like alexi okay. finding value with him just because like alexi was one of those players that we were like a little bit on the fence about mm -hmm. and then he really came into his own in run it back where on that sojourn he just looked absolutely nuts but again it sort of comes back to like that overlap i can see kevster and alexi working really well on someone like circuit royale so sure. that you can have like sojourn and then you pair up with another hit scan 
which would work out in extremely well, but in terms of other maps, it's still like that issue of a lot of overlap and which DPS you would really feel comfortable pairing Capster up with. Because yeah. we've seen like players who are good at Tracer, we've seen sure. players who are good at Reaper and Soldier, and, and that's about it. <laughs> no, I get it, I get it. Yeah, and, yeah I mean, you've just also... got like a, a psycho hero pool. Yeah, so, so there's always going to be a little pair. overlap. <laughs> Maybe LBBD actually is probably the only one who could bring something in the current contenders EMEA region that Kevster can't because LBBD can play both the Farah and the Echo. And Farah Ash or even Farah Echo, not uh, Ash Echo, can be really strong in terms of just being able to set up a crossfire. I, I think you go the Quartz UB route and say, screw having the entire DPS pool covered. I, I think you, you lean into it and I think. You either go a player like a Naga, like an LBD, and have like kind of double flex and miss out on a couple of hit scan heroes and not really have like a dedicated sniper player. Or you say, screw it, we don't need like, we don't need Echo. What's that? Like, never <laughs> heard of him, right? And then you just lock in like a Love or a Ken or somebody just like that has that, that sniper bone in their body. Mm. That would be uh, oh, a lot of fun. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. hybrid Kevster would be was, terrifying. Exactly. And yeah. then, so you really like lean hard either way, and then commit a decent bit of your team style to it. But you have two players that are as good and as pop off mechanically on those two roles. You might be able to get away with it. Um, I think the the most natural fit is something like a Naga that can kind of you lean a little bit more towards the flex, and then have like a a good Hanzo, which is just like a, a default pick if you don't have a sniper player, right? Uh. But leading the sniper out also sounds really fun, so I'm gonna throw that option out there as well. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm I, okay. Let's let's play the <laughs> the man in black game if you want, because of course we all have an idea who might be landing on the one destination of European place that's pretty you know uh, predestined, I suppose, uh, in the London Spitfire. Who would you have thought? that team needed after the departures uh, of the of the guys that they had last season and like who who would you have maybe entertained in order to move up to really a team that overperformed all expectations right okay cuz I, I there were also just i know internally a lot of changes going on there right um right and so the question is now, like, okay, do we think that people are going to continue to overperform? Do we want to continue to invest? Or do we have players that were all right that then improved and overperformed? How much better can they actually get? And how much, like, it's a, it's a team that was laid on so much volatility. And so the question is, how much do you actually want to maintain that, right? Because if you want to just take consistent players, I think there are consistent players out there. Obviously, we, we highlight the top ones. But there's players like Phi as well that would fit very well mm. into that kind of European system that give you a traditional hit scan, uh, that that give you some really strong options in terms of just building a team off the back of if you want to, for for <laughs> lack of a better word, give your team a backbone, uh, right to kind of build off of. I, I think that's one route that that the London Spitfire could go if they want to continue with the EU route. But there are so many question marks of like. Okay, London Spitfire, like, do we just want a new team, or, like, are we really trying to keep some pieces here, you know? For sure, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, like, the same thing that Dora is, like, are we going to see some players stick around from London? Because that, then, is going to influence 
significantly which players that they want to pick up or whether or not they want to just do away with the entire team and pick up someone else. Like, I know there was a rumor going around for the longest time that Washington Justice were literally just going to cookie cut out peps and put them into Overwatch League. Like, I could honestly see EXO getting cookie cut out and being put into London's roster. It helps as well that, like, a lot of them already have links uh, towards the UK and also EU, like, esports as a whole. And if they want to keep themselves together and play with that same synergy that they've developed from A sides, B sides, and run it back, because this is a team that has been a year in the making. Like, you don't really want to disrupt all of that synergy you've already built in case everyone doesn't get picked up to Overwatch League and you're all there going like, okay, well, one of us made it to the big leagues, but what about the rest of us? Now we have to sort of manifest that same synergy in a very small capacity of time. Would, wouldn't you still be... I mean, yes, there are definitely teams, especially like, you know, the O2s of the world. Um, and I guess the ATs to a degree, we'll see how that works out eventually. But I'm a, I'm a little hesitant, especially after what happened to the better part of Odyssey, right? In, in the Eternal. It's not like they hit, like, but basically that was the be best remaining team left in NA. They hit the Overwatch League. Didn't look so, so hot, right? What, what is, what is the mm -hmm. thing that you think uh, is there that this wouldn't happen to X, uh, XO, I guess? I think it's just the adaptation. Like, this team is just the strongest at adaptation. We talked to a couple of teams, like, after the first week, uh, because we saw teams really trying to stick with that Winston comp, and then some of the teams just understood that they hadn't had enough time to be able to perfect it, and they decided to bend any and just run the Roadhog. Exo were one of those teams that literally, in the space of a week, because we were talking to some teams and being like, oh, who do you think is, like, the best at the Winston comp? Who are you most worried about running into with that Winston comp with? And every single answer we got was EXO. And everyone was going, like, whether or not they just, like, looked at Korean VODs, whether or not they just practiced to absolute hell and back, they were able to, in the space of a week, get to grips with what it took a couple of Overwatch League teams absolute months to be able to nail down, uh, nail down perfectly. So I think for EXO, it's not just the structure that they have in terms of what we see on the screen when they're playing, but it's also everything that's going on behind the curtain. The entire roster that this team has, both in terms of analysts, coaches, all of them are absolutely stacked. So if you just take every single one of those people and post them into Overwatch League and you don't change anything, I think they're going to be doing pretty reasonably. If if not, amazingly. But if London don't want to go that route, because as you've said, we've seen it fail. We've seen teams trying to go, okay, this is a really strong team. They had a really good performance in Contenders. Contenders isn't Overwatch League. A couple of Overwatch League players may still be in Contenders, but it's not like you're going up against Overwatch League teams who have those resources, who have the coaching, who have the analysts, who are able to literally give you all of those analysts of like, this is what this team does amazingly. This is how we're going to be able to counter it. Because that's what EXO does. But that's what every single team in Overwatch League does at the same time. So for EXO, it would be them trying to fight against themselves. And that, I think, would be a great matchup. But I don't know how EXO would look on the other side of it. I mean, I think that's like still pretty high praise. Like the fact that, you know, you can still kind of at least pair them off at the, the, the baseline of all talent where it's like, okay... At the very least, like you still have like those attributes of adaptability, and in you know, God forbid, there it is a meta shift. Like you should still be able to adapt to it. Like yeah. that's that's saying a lot. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna sit here and like not cope. Uh, I <laughs> think this team would likely get the same treatment as like an Odyssey if right. they entered the Overwatch League. I, I think like 
it, it's weird. On one hand, like they definitely like when you have a team like that, there's always a chance they find success. Um, but I I have my questions of like whether it'd be like the super success you expect. Like you put this team in against a proper, and they're gonna like have a couple like Sims question <laughs> sure. marks above their head, right? Like it's yeah. just going to happen. And so I, I think with a team like this. Each of their individual pieces is extremely mm. strong and extremely consistent in their role. And these are players to me that are like you you could almost slot in anywhere as long as like like I said, you're playing Crandop and filling out that main tank, hero right. pool correctly, and sing both with yes. As long as you're like putting them into the correct team, uh, they could slot in almost anywhere and give you like say like, okay, our team's good. We're looking at maybe picking up like a new a new support player. We need a tank player to come and fill our like hog slash off tank role. Like KSA is going to give you like a fifteen to twenty percent improvement over whoever was underperforming for you last season, and that's like a guarantee. Like it's so consistent for them, and so I think this is a team that is definitely more than the sum of its parts. But is it more than the sum of its parts enough to compete with the absolute best in the Overwatch League? No. Mm. Uh, and I th- I think you'd be a little jaded to, to yeah say I, mean, that. I don't think they would be able to compete with like the best of the best but i still they think could, they'd they be able to yeah, give some of the wins, middling teams they sure. yeah, yeah, like exactly like they <laughs> like they'll definitely like i i think they'll do well guaranteed and i think that they they have potential to be really good especially if you give them like coaching resources and stuff like mm-hmm. that but in their current state as individuals i think they are really 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 good pickups for the teams that want them which would make them harder to pick up as a roster you know what it think... sounds like it sounds like they would be a great academy team or you know maybe a collegiate team so all i'm saying I'm just gonna leave that at the table. That, that's just give them all scholarships hey people could use some some you know a bachelor's in marketing you know you want to go into communications like hey there's there's there's, there's yeah i think yeah. you wish we had Paper things board. like two-way players right, right now you know mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, I don't think that again. opportunity's there for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I like they're all definitely worthy of, yeah. of making that. But I, I see them as like individual pickups that are gonna give you that fifteen to twenty percent improvement on a given mm-hmm. role that's like just guaranteed money. Like yeah, you that, that is a solid pickup and nobody's gonna complain about it ever. If that- you need an improvement on a role take any one of these guys. That that's actually the most important part because I remember talking to Hydron and He's like, and I remember like that was prior to last week's, uh, last year's Overwatch League, and we talked about like British Hurricane and their lack of success in the Overwatch League. Of course, like in hindsight, it's probably also a little bit of uh, of the ping issue, not just a little bit, but yeah. a lot. Um, and then um, them pl- playing against AT, and like the reason Hydron was very bullish on AT doing very well, and even the individual pieces was like. British Hurricane had synergy and were good because they played good with each other. We were cracked while trolling the shit out of each other because we were individually just like above bar, right? And I think to a large degree that held true uh, during their tenure in the Overwatch League on individual teams where these guys could definitely hang in, uh, from a mechanics point of view with everyone else. So whenever a team succeeds by virtue of them having grown together, I'm I'm now getting a little bit concerned unless you get picked up for everything. But then you're also like, what is your vector of improvement? Your hand-eye coordination is not going to magically improve 
And yes, maybe your synergistic advantages can further develop as you practice against the best teams in the world. Not great, you know, historic precedent of that happening, right? Like it's probably like either you hit the market and you're instantly like the best team around, like Vancouver Titans in season two, or you know, like the the. Mm, I guess it, they, there were no full rosters after that, or yeah. you're probably not never going to make it to to you know even I mean, respectability. Can we, the, can we meet in the middle with like a core of four? Like maybe not the whole team. Oh, but here we like go. We take like the heart of it. And we just uh, plug it into like a roster. Does that sound even worse? I don't know if that, I think that's. <laughs> I don't know. There's not much like, like precedent for it, but like, it's dead. I'll take like I'll take like two players if you want to. Yeah, like I was gonna say take two, like two. Two works. Two works. Yeah. Or like a, a good support line. I'm I'm here for it, but like a core. I yeah. I feel like you got to commit at that point, and then like maybe mm. take a, a team of like six or five, and then bolster it with another player that you see kind of fills a gap. Okay. Um, yeah. I think that can be good, but. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, circling back around to XO in general, I, I think it almost puts it too lightly to put it how I'm putting it with, like, the whole 15 to 20% improvement thing, but, like, mm -hmm. these are for the top teams that are looking to, like, change one player, change two players over the course of the offseason, these are the players you're picking from. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I think, that, that speaks very highly of them because they do have a lot of team synergy and these are players that are very experienced as well so they slot in easily like they're just ideal owl players to be honest like yeah they, they should be easy to work with yeah i think the problem that i see for exo though is that because when we saw them like at their strongest which is at run it back right their meta was reflected by overwatch league teams so Crondot being like that winston specialist is going to have to go against other Winston specialists already in Overwatch League. The same can be said for players like Kellex, because Kellex obviously one of the best Lucios in the EU region, but when I was looking at like London in specifics, London already have Admiral Raptor. So would you take Raptor right and put Kellex in, or would you keep Raptor and hope that if you pick someone up like KSA, that Roadhog uh, Lucio synergy is going to be able to be built up, because it is just a matter of building up that synergy, having that Roadhog get to go aggressive with the Lucio speed boost, find that first pick and win the fight. Yeah, I think generally speaking, it's also really hard, a uh, really hard sell for people like Kellex to e easily make it back. There is unfortunately this reputation of just being kind of washed and you know getting it. It's it. <laughs> there, there is definitely like a certain bias in terms of Against players doing the gulag. Yes. Yeah. 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 For yeah. sure. Yeah, I feel that. And, and like the longer you're you're there, the harder it is. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, you know what's harder than all of that? Finding six visas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Five visas now. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, who's getting cut, Mox? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tain easy. Is there anybody else that you guys didn't feel like you shined a light on as we kind of wrap up? Um, Any other names you want to like just spotlight? Lightning round. Choose got uh, absolutely shafted by the meta. Uh, tough time out there. Um, LSU kind of had the same thing happen. Uh, Exorath and Dala, I think, are on the improvement train. I hope to see more of them. Okay. And yeah, the DPS line is just all correct. So all of the DPS from like the top seven teams. I'm gonna say definitely Char. could all make it. Like, yeah, 
Like not yeah, from they just have good trials, like they can mm -hmm. all do it. Yeah. Like not not from like a player's perspective. I think we've touched on a lot of players, yeah. but honestly, cherry for me for Raspberry Racers, like this was a team that speaking of like adaptation and really being able to sort of engineer specific strategies so that you have a very much team identity, even if you're playing the same meta as everyone else. Like Raspberry Racers were one of those that came up with some really, really good rotations. Uh, and positions in terms of like each specific map would just feel so uniquely theirs. When they would have like Watchpoint Gibraltar, they had this really good rotation on uh, A, where they would move up through stairs, even when they were attacking, to mm. be able to bite into the backsides of the defenders, taking away like that scrap over high ground, making it a lot easier for you to have your full five players before the fight started because you don't get picked up or sniped off by like a sojourn. And Chow was a large part of that identity that Raspberry Racers were able to form, but they had really smart strategies. Unfortunately, not a lot of success in terms of implementing them sometimes, but when they worked, they worked amazingly. And he already is like one of those names that's known uh, for all of the work that he did with teams like British Hurricane. I could definitely see him being potentially picked up. Okay. I think that's all the shots. I think we've talked about every single player in EU. <laughs> they were right to warn you about that. Like, if we could go in depth about every player, we sure. would. But the the brunt of talent in EU is so hard to, like, chip away at one at mm -hmm. a time that, like, yeah. yeah, in an ideal world, if we're just highlighting, like, people who are just obscenely good at Overwatch and can, like, 1v1 owl players on ladder, like, we'd be here all day. So <laughs> it's really hard to, to pick and choose. I'm... The, the one thing, okay, here here's my omega pessimistic point of view, is, like, the fact that nobody actually stands out is like the proper of the EU region concerns me a little bit. Mm. Again, yeah, we don't Sojourn, have a trait. Sojourn made that really hard, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. Like, because even, even. Like, I think so. Or proper was a. You know, a hero for being able to stand out amongst sojourns, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, amongst a, a litany of very good sojourns. And I think there are players who, who uh, definitely shine in terms of, like, their ability just mechanically, right? A hybrid, Shockwave, definitely come to mind. Mm -hmm. uh, that are definitely getting more out. But, like, I think the fact here is that the same as the Overwatch League, and I think we're kind of like looking back with rose tinted glasses like proper was insane but that doesn't mean that there weren't sojourns that were also 4k'ing his team at the same time oh, yeah. and the same things here it's like okay yeah like hybrid and shockwaver like 4k'ing other teams maybe a little bit more consistently mm -hmm. and, and like it but there every sojourn was 4k'ing one another's teams at mm -hmm. some point in time it was just a matter of of when and so that's why it's so hard to stand out right now Sure. I think it was true in the Overwatch League, but there was already just a, a heavy light being shined on proper prior to then. Uh, that when you did see that more consistent and, and uh, pop off happen, it was really, really highlighted. So, mm. yeah. That's not to say proper is bad, but I think he was like the exception, not the rule. I think to do yeah. that in any region or Overwatch League on Sojourn, no less, where it's so easy to look just absurd if you're good uh it is just beyond difficult so uh, that's a seems like an unfair bar with the three metas that we've been that, given through <laughs> right i agree the problem is from a marketing point of view if nobody stands out there's complete apathy from a audience point of view for everyone mm -hmm. right like they they there is no fairness in highlighting players if that makes sense mm -hmm. like you shouldn't lie of course and if if there's a lot of people on the same level then that's 
that's probably just what you got to deal with that in the moment and highlighting anyone over uh, anyone else would be wrong there but like from from what audiences latch onto if you have like these this this guy on this team this guy on that team right like for for uh korea let's say like joe got got into uh alpha yi like people were very high on a preta um like there were guys just 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 got the mvps several seasons in a row right they, these are the narratives that the audience can hook into and when it's more ironically everyone wants a highly competitive se- season where everyone can beat everyone until that happens and then nobody yeah. really remembers those high points uh from the yeah. again i'm just gonna like draw my problems back to sojourn maybe i need to talk to a therapist right but- <laughs> <laughs> no this is true yeah it's like when everyone's special nobody is kind of thing yeah, yeah. like yeah everyone's popping off so it makes it hard to see who's popping off more like that is a much harder metric to actually right. gather mm-hmm. um i do think flex dps there is actually just a crazy amount of individuality coming out i mean psycho and naga were both incredible for their own reasons but naga was a player especially towards the end of the bracket that i latched on to mm. in terms of his reaper play so for me like that is as far as like standouts go in terms of finding an individual playstyle and being better at the the given meta at the same time i think naga was definitely that for me hmm. maimon was that for me 100 like maimon just when you could like see him when he was on the tracer like you knew it was maimon playing he had that that sort of like identity and sort of to cycle back as well to the whole thing of like ah oh, if everyone's great at sojourn no one's amazing at sojourn i'm gonna throw a wrench in that argument because door tree <laughs> Tree for NA, like, we literally coined a term (laughs) to point out how good the guy was at Sojourn. I think, again, it just sort of cycles back to the fact that EU is extremely oversaturated in terms of that DPS role. Does he look as head and shoulders above the competition? And I think the answer to that is no. Really? He'd definitely be good. He'd be be one of the best ones here. But would he be head and shoulders above like he is in NA? No. Like, look... No. Once again, like I'm, the, the, once again, like here in, in my internal monologue, the p- p- soccer PFP and the Reddit are, are currently screaming for me to say, <laughs> well, the, all those guys that are like currently popping off were literally not good enough to cut it at all, even the worst team in the Overwatch League, right? Naga in uh, Shockwave. So, like, if I'm not a person that follows uh, EU contenders. Now I'm I I enter that situation in the bias of going like, wait, those are the guests, your best guys. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, Overwatch two changed a lot. To be fair, yeah. right. Like again, I the big reason why, like I think Shockwave and Psycho definitely like there's a lot of stuff with them leaving the Overwatch League. Yeah. Uh, that is you know tangential. Mm-hmm. But uh, like they definitely only got better with Overwatch two, and, and same goes right. for just like you know players out there. Ben Best, who is traditionally thought of as that like Reinhardt player, right, yeah. has expanded to become like a hyperflex and the best one that we probably have in contenders right now or at least as far as uh eu and na goes mm-hmm. so people's identities their play styles and their abilities have all changed massively uh with, with the shift in game oh you you would pick uh, ben best of a gig over gig they <sighs> i would definitely i would think want a keep in mind second. this might Cause a fist fight with Kimnobi. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, huh. That's a really hard one. They're they're like very similar in a lot of ways. Mm. I think Ben Best is more flexible 
just that little bit. Like when you're, you're already talking about players that are insanely flexible, I think Ben Best is just that little bit more flexible. But Gig is going to give you more value on the tanks that he specializes in. Uh, but it's still a pretty flexible tank player, actually. Uh, you know, again, another main tank player who is not thought to be flexible has sure, kind of yeah. become that over time. Uh, and I think he flexes kind of that sweet spot amount where he can play just enough where you have a second tank that can kind of specialize as well and he doesn't have to cover as many bases as, like, another normal flex tank would. Uh, whereas Ben Best is, like, right now it's all flex and then he's got, like, just that slight specialization towards the main tank heroes. So, I... I <laughs> What a, yeah, that's a really hard one. I would actually, I think those two are a great comparison and, and kind of through line to one another from region to region. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I would say it would be fair, and then Gig would go into Orisa, and Orisa would he would just dumpster. Like Gig probably oh, has your, one of the best. Your, like, what was the 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 TV show where they would put like hypothetical battles between? Oh, oh Deadliest Warrior. Battle? Deadliest Warrior. Yeah, we're like <laughs> yeah. simulating Ben Best versus Gig and Deadliest what a Warrior. Spartan like fight a and green then, and, then, and then Ben Best would go over to, to <laughs> Doomfist and, and Gig would play Orissa, and then he has no answer, and then sure. you watch the simulation go down. We simulated he would a win. million times. Honestly, like Gig <laughs> has just the best Orissa in contenders level. Sure. I would say between both NA and EMEA, Gig is the best Orissa player. And All this right. is a hill that I will die on, and I'm pretty sure Kenobi will be side <laughs> yeah, by he, side, <laughs> six feet under sure. with me in that argument. Like, his arrest was insane. All right, Jessica, final thoughts before we wrap up 277. Yeah, no, I think, generally speaking, it just makes sense, g given recent, um, a lack of recent promotions of uh, EU players, that there just has to necessarily be a lot of gems there. I think the argument of uh, that Overwatch 2 has changed a lot about the game and how these players, you know, how their skill set fits into that role, uh, into that new game, that, that definitely uh, rings true to me. Um, I certainly, I always feel like Shockwave's career is maybe the most tragic of Overwatch careers, just in the length of how hard he got screwed over at every single corner, like. Um, in terms of like you know the different teams he, that he uh, was on and um, the, how did the pandemic played into that? So I I, I always want to have players like that get you know the third <laughs> chance by now. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully whoever gets promoted also really provide a proof of concept in order to you know tell tell general managers there's something there and worth looking at also in future seasons true 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 all right i want to you know thank both of you both moxie and door for joining the show and educating us on all there is to know about contenders europe but i want to give the final last bit of the show to the both of you to let us know what you guys are up to and what uh, people can look out for so moxie uh what's happening on your uh, docket agenda for <laughs> what's related or anything. whatever you whatever's going on okay so we just wrapped naraka blade points world championship which was uh in december and we're heading into 2023 looking to the next pro league season hopefully we're gonna have contenders emea continuing as well i'm hoping fingers crossed to get in on some of the world cup action and maybe represent UK and some of the uh, qualifying events continuing and I'm sure Dora's going to be the same in terms of trying to stick around World Cup for America yeah sounds likely uh, <laughs> uh, yeah just more, more Overwatch more contenders stuff likely 
one thing I do want to shout out is I'm planning on uh, doing what I did last season. I okay. got a whole bunch of community power rankings once all the rosters were released and kind of averaged them out into what was maybe one of the most beautiful pieces of, of data that I've uh, managed to <laughs> shit out in my entire life. Sure. Uh, and so I really wanted to do that again. So follow my Twitter, whatever. I'll put a tweet out there. Please submit your power rankings to me and I will absolutely tell you how wrong you are at the end of the season because holy god were people wrong this season it was not like i had i had a big sample size too i think i had like close to 300 submissions and it was jeez a disaster you guys could not have been more wrong so i'm just do a video shame how bad it gets this time (laughs) and these power rankings were about contenders right like not al no no that was for overwatch league oh okay we we wouldn't know anything about wrong power rankings about overwatch league would we (laughs) joe speak for yourself i was pretty wrong but if that's it and please do uh support tier two go watch some contenders obviously this is the end of contenders month but there will i'm sure you'll see be seeing some some of their faces on the show more often than not um go support tier two go follow all of you both these two both you know moxie and door oh um, it, one more, one more shout out yeah uh yeah, if you happen to be like top 500 and playing quick play at 2 a.m., say hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's go. a slim group, and I know them well. <laughs> Some East Coast ranked vibes, apparently. Yeah, exactly, bro. All righty. That is going to be episode 277 for Tactical Crouch. Enjoy the new year. Uh, stay safe. Um, and we'll see you when the season starts. Well, I mean, we'll see you next week, but, you know, whatever. 277. <laughs> well Talk done. Peace.